Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. Immigration has been out of control for the last three years for the entirety of the Biden administration. And while Joe Biden and his administration continue to deny their culpability in this crisis, what it has done is it has revealed a harsh reality to inner city Black Americans. Welcome to Counterthought. Immigration in this country is out of control. Joe Biden and his administration deny their culpability And as you get more focused and you go to the state governments and the city governments, those who are in the sanctuary states within this country, who are within the other sanctuary jurisdictions in this country, all of them continue to deny their culpability. What do they do? They just pass the blame from one group to the next. But one common thread is that all of these governments, all of these elected officials, in these different jurisdictions in the different states are all Democrats. And going to late last year in 2023, I've talked about this in previous episodes, whenever the migrants finally hit New York City and Mayor Eric Adams could no longer deny or hide the fact that it was causing a strain on New York City, you finally started to hear Mayor Adams and other Democrats who are being impacted by this speak up and say, hey, this is not sustainable, but yet they wouldn't quite go far enough to say, hey, President Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, you need to get this under control. They kept trying to toe the line between, oh, we're still going to welcome everyone and you know, be there for everybody because that's who we are as New Yorkers as Adams would say, while at the same time saying, whoa, like this is actually out of control. And now that we are here in 2024, we see New York City, we see Washington, D.C., and Chicago. All of these large metropolitan areas are overwhelmed with illegal immigrants who are here claiming asylum. We're talking about over 100,000, I think it's about 150,000 in New York City, We're talking about around the same amount in Chicago. And lately, a lot of individuals, a lot of members of the inner city Black Americans within Chicago have been speaking out to their aldermans and their local government, have been speaking out to Mayor Brandon Johnson, going all the way up the chain to Governor J.B. Pritzker, talking about how unfair their treatment is. Sanctuary cities, just you know, for context here, the kind of level set, sanctuary cities have ordinances that allow for city services to be provided to illegal immigrants. There's some variation from one to the next, but, but basically or generally, 
A sanctuary city allows services, city services, to be provided to illegal immigrants while also looking the other way and not asking about immigration status. And this is pissing a lot of inner city Black Americans off. So far to date, hundreds of millions of dollars have been given in Chicago to these illegal immigrants claiming asylum. Billions of dollars have been given to the legal illegal immigrants claiming asylum in New York City. And this has come to a head. So many inner city black Americans are speaking out against this because fairness is the central point of their argument. They say, hey, you know, we've been here. Number one, we're Americans. Two, we've been living here for years, decades, generations. And sure, you give us some money or you make us promises, but where in the world are you getting $153 million, like in the case in Chicago? Where in the world, Mayor Adams, this past week, 50 Cent, heard about this $53 million pilot program for about 500 migrants to be able to give them prepaid debit cards with about $3,000 or $3,500 on these prepaid debit cards? And inner city Black Americans are like, yo, you can just pull $53 million out of nowhere? Where's this money coming from? Are you just printing this money? Are you going to raise taxes? How come we couldn't get that money whenever we asked for it? One resident in Chicago said that they have a neighborhood or you know a segment of their of their city that does not have any like does not have a mental health hospital, does not have any kind of mental health services. Yet then a hundred plus million dollars can be pledged to to go to these illegal immigrants who are not American citizens. Yet no money could have been, no money at the time or in previous years was allocated to be able to provide, let's say, mental health services or maybe another civic center for the youth to keep them off the streets. So they are up in arms about how unfair this is. And this may cost not just Joe Biden, but all down the line across the Democratic Party in these different, again, local governments, state governments, state reps. Um, House of Representatives at the federal level, and then also the governor across Illinois, specifically Chicago, across New York, and specifically New York City, it may cost them their position as an elected official. The question is, though, will, will when it comes time to vote, will these inner city Black Americans and those who are still pissed off who do not live in the inner city, will they be able to actually, you know, hold their nose, as they say, and vote out these individuals and not just vote out a single individual by voting in another Democrat, but actually vote Republican. So in Chicago, in Chicago, $500 million has been spent on these asylum seekers, these illegal immigrants that are here gaming the system, claiming asylum, $500 million. Now there have been press conferences. There have been, again, individuals speaking out to their aldermans saying this is unfair. How do you come up with $500 million for these people who are not American citizens who are gaming the system yet Millions of dollars, not even all 500, but 
10 million of those dollars, 50 million of those dollars seem not to exist for us. And Mayor Johnson, Brandon Johnson, he, you know, he replaced Lori Lightfoot. He's been in hot, hot water this past week. There is a viral clip of him going around, and I'm going to play here in a second. A viral clip of him talking about, oh, you know, like kind of lay off me going back to this passing the blame, kind of pass, passing the buck, saying, oh, no, it's, you know, whoa, you know, slow down a little bit, telling his citizens, slow down a little bit. You know, I'm a father. I, my kids are playing soccer. I'm a husband. I live on the west side of Chicago. Like, what do you expect of me? Just listen and watch this. Just listen and watch this clip. Do you understand that you have not had a mayor like me? I get that. I have a wife. I have children. They have schedules. And plus, we still have public safety that we have to address. We still have the unhoused that we have to address. I still have a budget that I have to address. And I'm doing all of that with a black wife raising three black children on the west side of the city of Chicago. I am going to the border as soon as possible. But I got to coordinate that with running the government and making sure that my wife and children are secure as well. Wow, right? Like standing ovation, you know. Congratulations, you have a job. Congratulations, you have a family. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions even, are just like you in the city of Chicago. Congratulations. And also, Mayor Johnson, you wanted this position. And now that you, you know, are catching heat, and actually have to make decisions, some of which are not easy, and you're not just being patted on the back and being applauded everywhere you go, your constituents are turning against you. Now you're like, well, <laughs> you know, guys, I'm doing all I can, you know, I'm busy. Then don't apply for the job. If you're not up for the job, don't apply for the job. Right? So this is ridiculous. His little out, oh, I'm a I'm a husband, I'm a father, there's soccer practices and all this stuff. Married to a black woman, you know, he slid that in there, right? Married to a black woman. Dude, you ran to be elected. You probably did because you thought it was going to be easy. And now that it's not, you're trying to run and hide and pass the blame, pass the buck off to somebody else. And this is a common thread. You're going to see this from the mayors to the state reps to the governors, all the way up to the federal government, to the White House. And then in New York City, in New York City, you have $2 billion has already been spent by New York City on these illegal immigrants claiming asylum. And that number, $2 billion, is expected to grow to $12 billion with a B dollars in the next three years, two billion to twelve billion. Now take that piece of information, while also thinking about how Mayor Adams and the city of New York, New York, announced that there were going to be budget cuts, up to twenty percent budget cuts, across all services in the city. We're talking about law enforcement. We're talking about uh, civil services and trash pickup and waste services. So trash is just going to be left on the street, making the city more dirty and unclean. Just going to exacerbate the situation, right? Going to have health issues and the like. And budget cuts 
while also pledging $12 billion in the next three years for this migrant crisis and already spending $2 billion so far to date, basically in one year's time. And this past week, or during this week, Mayor Adams talked about this pilot program, $53 million for about 500 migrant immigrant families, this pilot program to give them prepaid credit cards with about, I think, $3,000 or $3,500 on them. And 50 Cent got wind of this. And Tweet is like, yo, Mayor Adams, call me up. Be like, can you explain this to me? Otherwise, I'm going to be riding with Trump. And Mayor Adams had a little press conference, you know, trying to walk it back like, hey, this is just a pilot program. You know, no big deal. It's 53 million. It's going to save 600,000 for the city of New York, like per month or I guess for maybe 53 million, going to save about 600,000. And it's just, I'm just thinking like, (laughs) this is like the TikToks that you see where, where it's, you know, husbands teasing their wives and stuff. And it's like, oh, my wife thinks she's saving money by spending money. That's this. Hey, we're going to spend $53 million on this pilot program, but you know, it's actually going to, it's going to save us $600,000 or when you heard the Biden administration or talking about, oh, how we're decreasing the deficit when you're not actually, uh, you don't actually have a surplus. You are just not spending as much money as you were before, right? You're still overspending, but you're not spending as much as you were before. That's what this is. So New York City, Mayor Adams, he's been complaining, but they will not go as far as blaming the federal government. Governor Abbott in Texas is actually fighting the federal government, trying to protect his state. And this is going to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Well, actually, I guess it has gone to the Supreme Court, but yet that was just for the razor wire. But there's a larger argument taking place about who actually I guess to what extent the federal government has authority over its borders here in America versus the state's rights of its borders. So that is continuing to play out. And I feel like on that front, if you're talking about the federal government and you saw in the Supreme court sides with the federal government says, ultimately they get to do whatever they want to do. Then it's like, okay, well then what, what powers does the state government actually have? No rights. No rights. So the federal government can just say, hey, you, Arizona, you know, New Mexico, California, Texas, all of you, all of you that are lining up against and touching Mexico on the southern border, you don't get to do anything. You're just going to take it and like it. We're going to set the policy and you're going to take it and you're going to like it. So that's playing out. But again, the city governments, the state governments, the federal government, the White House, they're all passing blame to somebody else. They don't want responsibility. I talked about in an episode last year of how whenever the migrants were first being shipped up to from Texas and being bussed up to New York. And it's like, whoa, New York, whoa, you know, this is this is a little too much now with sanctuary cities. You know, we're we're just virtue signaling whenever we enacted this. We're just responding to Trump because everything has to be anti-Trump. Whatever Trump says, we do the opposite. But then whenever you know the rubber meets the road and you actually have to figure out where to put these people, 
you're like, oh man, you know, we're strapped for resources. And now that we're so strapped, we're actually going to cut resources from our actual citizens, from the actual residents of our, of our cities. And we're going to reallocate that money over to people who aren't even supposed to be here. You know? So it's like, put your money where your mouth is. Rubber meets the road. What are you going to do? And these mayors, these cities, these sanctuary cities and jurisdictions and states are they're having a hard time. They're having a hard time because stupid policies are eventually going to fail. And that is what is happening before our very eyes. And then the Biden administration, yes, it's an election year, but this is what happened all the time. We've seen this for all three years of his administration. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. What do they keep saying? The White House and and. Uh, Homeland Security, Mayorkas keeps saying, if we could just get Congress, if we could just get Congress to pass a bill, some new laws to shore up, you know, to shore up this immigration crisis that we have at our southern border, you know, we'd sign it. It's up to Congress. The Republicans in the House, they don't want to pass a bill. The senators, the Republican senators, they don't want to sign on to a bill. We've, we've offered, you know, proposed comprehensive immigration reform. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. All of the money that the Biden administration is asking for is just to help get people processed faster. Biden, you may remember, day one, he signed about 17 executive orders. One of the first ones he signed was rolling back the executive orders for the policies that Trump put in place to help secure the southern border to help you know, the remain in Mexico is the most famous one. Day one, gone. The laws are on the books. Biden and his administration don't need new laws. Does immigration need new laws for this country? Yes. Do we need to redefine or redefine what amnesty, not amnesty, but what asylum actually is? Yes. How to make those claims? Yes. How to offer proof of those claims? Yes. But the laws are on the books right now for Joe Biden and his administration to close up the border to the point or to the extent Trump did when he was in office. So they're just playing politics. Not to mention the lives that are being lost, the the harassment and the abuse that is occurring, the overdoses from drugs that are coming across the border, all in the name of politics. And this is an issue that's like at 68 or 70% where people want the southern border, want immigration to be under control. We're talking about 3 million people per year are entering our country. About 8 million by the time this year is over will have entered our country in the four years that Biden was elected in office. 8 million. 8 million. So the question remains, as these inner city black Americans are all ticked off and saying that this is unfair, it's what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because historically, there haven't been any consequences, right? This goes to all levels for elected officials, state and federal. Are there consequences for their actions or inactions? And historically, there have not been. Historically, there have not been. Historically, I'm trying to say it one more time. Black Americans vote 
90% Democratic Party. As Stephen A. Smith says in this next clip, will Black Americans vote Republican to actually require the Democratic Party to meet their demands? Listen to this. Trump got 12% of the Black vote in 2016. He got 16% of the Black vote in 2020. They're projecting he's going to get more than 20% of the Black vote in this upcoming election. That's what they're saying. And who's to say Black folks would be wrong to vote for him? I told y'all before, I am no Republican. I voted for one Republican in my life. That's Governor Chris Christie in New Jersey because I thought that Corzine was a disaster. I voted for Clinton. I voted for Al Gore. I voted for Barack Obama twice. I voted for Biden, despite the crime bill that incarcerated a whole bunch of people in the 90s that looked like me. I shoved all of that aside. All of it. Because I knew how divisive Trump would be. But as we sit here now, and we watch something like this transpire, where there seems to be more rapt attention being paid to folks who are not even here illegally, nor are from this country, yet we want to turn around and ignore us. Black folks, Latinos, and beyond, who are impoverished and are in need. We know why you're doing it. Because you want that voting block. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, what did I say years ago when I used to give speeches and say I wish for at least one election? Everybody vote. Every black person in America votes Republican. Remember when I used to say that? You know why I used to say it? Because you'd have to flatter us from that point forward. You couldn't just take the black vote for granted. You'd have to show us what you're bringing for us, what you're delivering to the table. Amen, right? <clears throat> Amen. These elected officials are supposed to represent the people, but they are not representing the people. The inner city black Americans and black America as a whole are feeling betrayed more so than any other instance in recent memory. Betrayed, being used because they can count on the vote. As Joe Biden said, if you, ain't, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's the mentality of many in the Democratic Party. You know, whenever you're going through and looking around the polls and looking across the states and, you know, like at the federal level, and it's like, okay, well, we can count on this state. This is like, this is always red. This is always blue. That's how they look at the, the black vote, Democratic Party. Uh, that's ours in the bag. Done. Let's just work on these people over here trying to get their vote. So as Stephen A. Smith said in that clip, are black Americans actually going to flip the script? And use their vote to finally get attention, not just attention, but action in their su in support of them from the Democratic Party. Can they hold their nose, close their eyes, look the other way, and vote on election day, and look past the policies that they support by the Democratic Party, so that they can prove a point to them 
that they are not a group, a contingent of people who are going to be taken advantage of any longer. Is this immigrant, this migrant crisis going to result in a shift, a significant shift of votes from black Americans to get the attention and to get what they finally deserve and what they are calling for at the local level, the state level, and the federal level from the Democratic Party. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.